Welcome to another episode of 21st Century Rocker Mom Podcast with me, your host, Tani Candler, right here, back with you. I'm, I, it's good to be alive. Holy shit. I actually can't believe I'm sitting with you right here, right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the good stuff like right away. I'm going to get to the good stuff right away. I'm talking about like word to your mother, like some crazy stuff. I'm not talking like these like wine o'clock moms. That shit bothers me also. But no, no, no. We're gonna get right to the meat and potatoes here. We're gonna talk about like when like some women fucking snap. I wanna talk to you firstly, first of all, first and foremost, I wanna talk to you about doomsday moms. I don't know if you've seen some Netflix documentaries or Hulu documentaries or heard a few podcasts. I've heard quite a few things myself between YouTube videos and podcasts and watching documentaries and things like that on different uh, different uh, streaming platforms and things of that nature. Holy shit. Have you heard of people called uh, <clears throat> Lori Vallow and her husband? Have you heard of Lori Vallow, the doomsday mom? Chad Daybell was her husband. Well, one of her husbands. I think it was her fifth husband, perhaps. Chad Daybell was her husband. He was also at the hands of this Tragedy is what is that is exactly what it is. So that's exactly what I'm going to call it. Lori Vallow is known as one of the most hated women in America when she made headlines as the doomsday mom. They couldn't find her kids. They didn't know where they were. It, it ended up that her and her husband, Chad Daybell, not only murdered uh, two of their children, they also uh, murdered his ex-wife and she had her brother, Mary, or Mary rather, I wish she married him, but I wish he didn't murder him. He murdered him. She had her brother murder her fourth husband. So she kind of get with Chad Daybell and Chad Daybell had, uh, had his wife murdered, which we find out now, which is really weird because at first they, uh, you know, they said this autopsy says her body, she died natural causes. You know, no, no, no contest, natural causes. That's what it is. <clears throat> but then all of a sudden they exhumed the body. And if you don't know what exhuming the body is, yeah, sure. That's a little bit gross, but they got to take everything out and redo the autopsy and find out the actual cause of death. And they found out her cause of death. And this is the guy who just left his wife on the same day that he married this Lori Vallow person, this lady died. What? They were buying wedding bands and stuff for conducive with a beach wedding. She died. They found out what was the death? What was the cause of death? The official cause of death was asphyxiation. So they suffocated her. So she was killed. So obviously murdered. They're looking more into that. But this is when like women really snap. And this Lori Vallow got really into um, the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints church and she considered herself to be part of these 144,000 people that were going to be chosen for this day of reckoning that she was getting ready for and this kind of reaping and they were the higher up hierarchy people there was kind of like an oligarchy you know like kind of like how a cult runs and she was high up and she was this goddess and this Chad Daybell guy was high up too and the religious beliefs really clicked clicked enough that like I say, they murdered her two, like her one daughter, Tylee, and his son, JJ, who was seven. So a 16-year-old girl, a seven-year-old boy go missing. Everyone's looking for where they are. 
but the mother keeps maintaining and i've seen it in court yeah there were no like obviously cameras allowed in court but i've seen with witness statements and statements from court and court records and you know requisitions and all the stuff that the they're typing down while they're talking right in court and everything that she maintained yep the children are fine i know where they are they're just fine they're safe everything's okay everything's just fine just all in that you know monotone sort of voice when all the while and woo birds and uh <laughs> all the while this is the sickest thing ever so trigger warning here because children and passing away all the while they'd been murdered by Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell and put in the back of a pet cemetery that was a burn pit that was on the back of their property that was kind of like a rural area so when police found their bodies they were not they were believed to be of the children after you know testing they were <clears throat> but the state unfortunately in the condition of the remains were not conducive to identification right away so you know things like female cult leaders like i mean i can talk about it because i've been watching for the season two of yellow jackets and, and lottie is the female cult leader there i mean i didn't see that one coming not i'm like hello i was in a cult remember i was in a cult you guys have seen the episode it's it's happened but you know there's female like ladies like what causes housewives to just snap one day and drive into a brick wall with their kids or drown them all in the bathtub. What the hell does that? <clears throat> I mean, sometimes it's mental illness. Sometimes it's postpartum depression that's untreated. Sometimes it's postpartum mood disorder. Anything can cause any human to snap. It's, I just This week I had been kind of like looking at these things and since I kind of snapped myself this week, I thought, why not talk about when women or those people who identify as female kind of hit the old snap crackle pop button and something happens and you know we don't always know what it is we don't always know what's going on up there obviously i'm one to talk <clears throat> but like i say female cult leaders there are a lot of female cult leaders and there are a lot of female religious leaders a lot of figures that can kill their own children you know because jesus told them to you know that that's an acceptable answer we got serial killers like Aileen Lee Wernos. Aileen Wernos was probably the most notorious female serial killer in America, probably to date. At least recently today, there have been lots of serial killers that have identified as female in America and Canada as well. But to date, she has been the most prevalent and probably gotten the most media attention. You know, the movie Monster with uh, Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. They played in that movie. That was a fantastic movie. The transformation that she made into Aileen Wernos was just absolutely fantastic. And she just, I mean, I've seen tapes of Aileen Wernos speaking and then watching Charlize Theron's performance in that. No wonder, you know, <laughs> she, you know, got as many accolades for that role as she did because holy shit, like what a role to play. <clears throat> I think, I think, I think, I think, because women are so revered in so many ways because like the birth thing with people that identify as women and that can can give birth right we can give life and i mean the sperm gives life too i mean it takes two, it takes two you know there's there's you know there's two <clears throat> but <clears throat> like i say women are super revered because of like the mary thing it's like even going back to like christian things 
the Mother Mary and the Maria and the Madonna and the thing, and especially the Madonna complex and the Madonna syndrome. Elvis had the Madonna complex. The Madonna complex, if you want to dive deep into that, is the Madonna complex is when a gentleman can no longer feel comfortable having sex with a lady after she's had children. Something about a woman becoming a mother. <clears throat> I'm just clearing my throat here. I better have a drink. Giant turnoff. They just can't, can't, can't have sex with them anymore. So the sex stops because they're a mother now, because they say that it makes them feel like they're having like sex with their mother. I'm like, they're the mother of your child. You didn't come out of their vagina. You came in it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. But for real, Madonna complex, that's a real thing. I don't really think it's a gender thing. People see women and those who are female identified as safe. I think that's what the, where the gender thing comes in. I think they see us female identified folks as non-threatening, not scary, you know, we can't hold our own very much. When in fact, I know, <laughs> This is a huge misconception and a huge misnomer. It's it's a huge misconception that this is a huge gender lie. And I can tell you through experience that this is complete bullshit. There is no weaker sex. That's not a thing. There's no weaker sex. There's no weaker gender. I think we've learned over and over through the years and like through example, and we've seen all genders can do anything and all genders are capable of doing anything. So I, like I say, there is no weaker sex. That's bullshit. I dealt with this trope too. I dealt with this trope too, all my life, growing up. What's it like to be in a girl band? What is it like to be in a girl band? What's it like to play bass? What's it like to be a female bass player? Well, <clears throat> since I don't play bass with my pussy, I can't really tell you. I know what it's like to play like bass and I know what it's like to be in a band, but don't ask me questions about what's it like to be a girl and be in a band. You want to know what it's like to be a girl and be in a band? It fucking sucks. I'm not going to lie. Imagine just like being in any band, except with more farts. Because <laughs> girls are gross. We burp, we fart, and when we get around each other, I'll tell you, we're horrible. We're horrible in groups. That's why we all go to the bathroom together. That's a secret, because we're all talking about dirty stuff in there. <laughs> like I say, it's crazy. I just, I think it's just a, a, the difference between girl bands and guy bands or whatever. Like for me, at least, it was just like having a sleepover with your girlfriends every single night. It was fun times, good things. Like I can't say anything bad about it. But like I say, girls are gross and girls burp and girls fart and girls shit their pants and they do all those things too. We think the three P's are funny just as much as guys do too. Poo, pee, period. Those are the three P's. Girls are way more gross than guys. Like at least uh, in my circle of, of lady friends and those who identify as female, we're disgusting. You know who you are, you dirty hoes. <laughs> we're pro-ho around here, so I don't really give a shit. <laughs> so it's none of your business. But like I say, girls are gross. I'm still hurt. Speaking of all this weaker sex stuff and all this gender stuff, this really pisses me off. I'm still hurt over a couple of Wednesdays ago 
we had the International Day for Stamping Out Homophobia and Transphobia. And I was so excited to celebrate with awareness and things like this. My kids are excited as we are a, you know, a queer friendly home. And uh, <clears throat> parents are pulling their kids out of class left and right. We have a one third attendance drop in the city of London. That is fucking atrocious. And like, if that isn't fucking homophobia and transphobia that starts at home, that's where the hate starts. Why are you starting it and raising your kids on hate? That's like feeding them hate for breakfast. You're disgusting. If you're a parent that kept your fucking kid home because of, because of uh, a day to stamp out homophobia and transphobia, you know what? Sincerely, I want to, I have something for you. Fuck you and fuck you again because you're disgusting. You have taught hate to your children and spoon fed it to them. You're raising hateful individuals. If you could just maybe raise your kids with inclusion, that would help the world. I mean, like you wanna do your part and everything like that. You know, some people say wear a mask. Some people say get a vaccine. Some people say pick up your dog shit. <clears throat> raise your kids in a non-hateful, non-racist, non-homophobic, non-transphobic, all-inclusive environment. Let them kind of feel it out. Let Kids are smart. Kids are sponges. And I'll, I'll tell you, kids are much smarter than we are as adults. They see things differently than we, are, we do because they haven't been taught and conditioned to be hateful little assholes. It's only us that, that do that to them and turn them into complete, like, hateful little jerks. And that's what you get if you, if, you, if, if you raise your kids in that environment. You raise them on hate, they'll grow up, they'll grow up in a hateful environment. Like I say, <clears throat> I'm gonna go to the school the next time they have an event for LGBTQ because Pride Month is coming up. I'm gonna sit there with a case of non-alcoholic Bud Light and I'm gonna drink the whole fucking thing. Fuck you. Honestly, chug-a-lug, chug-a-lug, let's go. I'm gonna sit there in support and solidarity. How, how do the kids in, in the queer community feel? How do the kids in the LGBTQ2 community feel? How, you know, how about the kids that wanna come out at school? How about the kids that are trans? How about the kids that are non-binary? How are they supposed to feel at school? You ever think of that? Think before you remove your child from a situation that is actually not dangerous, you know, like drag queen story time. Come on. The only protection kids need at Drag Queen Storytime, like honestly, is from the hateful assholes that show up and create a scene. The drag queens aren't doing that. Kids aren't doing that. Parents who brought their kids aren't doing that. It's people who come and just have to make waves because, I don't know, something's so wrong in their own lives, they have to start picking apart the lives of others because um, I've got a newsflash for you. This does not affect you. So fucking leave it alone. Drag queens are amazing. I love drag queens. So, <clears throat> I mean, if you hate drag queens, you better tune out right now. <laughs> That's my rant between, seriously, racism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, and just straight up people being live and thieving characters. It's been a, you know, it's been a shit. Sometimes I want to lose fucking complete hope in humanity. And then I think of those people that give me that, like glimmer of hope. There are a lot of people that give me that glimmer of hope. And yeah, 
there's a lot of bad people in this world. There are a ton of bad people in this world, but there's still a lot of good people in this world, which is great. There's still so many salt of the earth people in this world that'll, you know, give you the shirt off their back and, you know, tell it like it is in a kind way. You know what I mean? You have a kind, civil conversation with them, not a hateful one. <clears throat> I work with many of these people, these salt of the earth people that I'm talking to you about. Many of them are creative people. Many of them are not. You know, some are straight-laced, you know, white-collar business-type people. Some of them are doctors. Some of them are, you know, legal. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are mechanics. Some of them are blue-collar heroes, just like my dad. You know, he's a blue-collar hero. He's a carpenter and a sailor. We've got, you know, our frontline healthcare heroes, too. Don't forget about the people on the front lines and the people that are, you know, like building our infrastructure, building our cities, like, like the blue-collar people, like I say that are, you know, tearing up the streets, building roads, building highways, you know, making bridges, you know, making sure things happen and making sure, you know, civil planning, things go the way they should. You know, hats off to those people. They're working their asses off, you know, 16 hour days out in the hot sun outside. Are you doing that? Some of you are, but some of you aren't. So like I say, it matters not what your vocation is. It doesn't matter. You could have no job and still be one of the kindest humans on the planet. That's what I think. You could have no job whatsoever. And like I say, sometimes when I start to lose that hope, some little glimmer just shines exactly at the right time. It's the stamp that you're leaving on the world that really matters. It's such a short time that we have to be here. Why not make it count, man? Because we sure are gone for an awful long time. So make it count. I feel this intuition obviously strongly and it's natural to my culture which is very like gypsy background culture of course eastern european i have my british side and then we have the eastern european side and i always lean on that side of my culture a lot i don't know why maybe it's the dreaming and the the witchy stuff and the gypsy stuff because we did grow up heavily in sort of gypsy culture you know trading things back and forth bartering back and forth dream work meditation, tarot, pendulums, crystals, you know, these sorts of things. Things that people might consider like new agey. When I say gypsy culture, I'm not talking gypsy sisters and the rummy stuff and moving around and getting tons of makeup on and big dresses and having a big fat wedding. I'm not talking about that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about OG gypsies. Like, you know what I mean? Like traveling folks in Eastern Europe that were very, you know, kind of didn't have one place to be. They'd, around from place to place to place to place, selling their wares. I mean, I am a gypsy through and through, as you can probably tell. I mean, don't dream it, be it. I guess dress for the part you want. I, uh, <laughs> but like I say, the women in my family and the women who, who, like the people that identify as female in my family have those sorts of faculties about them. Some of us dream, I'm not one of them, because I actually take a medication, so I don't dream. Um, some of us are empathic. I am one of those ones. Some of us do uh, palmistry. Some of us are heavily into tarot and witchcraft. I fall into uh, those categories as well. Some of us read auras and can see colors and things of that nature. We're all a bit out there on the uh on the lady side of my family and we all are now i've been told 
by people who can read auras, and I am not one of them. I have not developed that skill, and my third eye is not that open. Some people's are, and obviously mine is not, but I have been told that my aura is gold. And I've it, an aura basically looks, if you see an aura, if you can see an aura around someone's body, and if this is how you know if you'll be able to read auras, it looks like a kind of like a glowing, like egg sort of like a, around their body, like a, like a, a oval around their body. And you'll see a color, a color that's usually transcendent. Sometimes it's multiple colors. Sometimes the, the, the aura is dull. Sometimes it's, it's, it's bright. Sometimes it's, you know, a duller color, like if it's gold, sometimes it can look yellow. Depends what's going on with the person. But like I say, gold is the color of my aura. And if you look that up, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about me and what's going on in some of the inner world and stuff. Like I say, the wild women in my family. I am born from a family of wild women and a history and a long line of wild women. I actually, like I say, I, I can't dream when, when I say I, I take medication so I can't dream. It's because I suffer night terrors and I have suffered night terrors since being a young child and they've been so scary. They're just, they're just not, they're just not good. They're, they're, they're enough where they scare me to the point where I, where I wake up and I'm crying. So I don't want to have any of those dreams anymore. So I take a medication to kind of stop the night terrors because they're that disturbing. Like I say, we're all wild though, aren't we? Like think about how primal we are. I was talking a little bit about yellow jackets earlier because talk about getting primal. Woo! Oh my gosh. What is going on in yellow jackets? I'm just on the season finale right now and I'm halfway through and I'll tell you, I'm about as thrilled for the season two finale of, well, actually, no, this is, I got to phrase it differently. I hate the season two finale of Yellow Jackets season two as much as I love the season one finale of Yellow Jackets, like season one. Like the season one finale of Yellow Jackets was so damn good. Hands down, it was absolutely fantastic. Season two, I don't know what's gone on with the writers. They've focused on other things. I've got my, my kind of like my, my guesses for what's going to happen and how it's going to end. And spoiler alert, my, I just, I know writing and I know storytelling and I know circular return. And when Javi, when Natalie let Javi like crack through that ice and fall down and freeze to death. And then of course, like Shauna had to like butcher him up so absolutely viscerally. I mean, I've seen some shit in the OR, I've seen some shit, generally speaking, and that was too graphic for me. You know, that was much too graphic. I even said to Rob, I'm like, is it over yet? I was kind of doing one of those, you know? It was just gross, you know? It was just, it was, it was overly grotesque for the moment. And I think that it just didn't really suit it. I don't think that it really needed it. It didn't need it at all, I don't think. Oh, well, here's it comes to be. Ooh, shoof. If I get stung, we're not going to be here very long. <laughs> I will need our frontline healthcare workers again. I will be back at the hospital. But like I say, I got my bets on what's going to happen in Yellow Jackets. I think there's going to be some great hunt again because Lottie's at her cult and she's like the leader and she's got all these, you know, auditory hallucinations that are coming, you know, from the wild or not from the wild, whoever's speaking to her, the wilderness. 
the voices in her head. I am not sure if she's taking her medication as prescribed. I don't know what's going on there. But I'm saying I think circular return because Natalie let Javi die, like kind of in her place, and she kind of just let it happen. I think the wilderness is going to take Natalie next. I think it's coming for Natalie. I think, unfortunately, that adult like Natalie, Juliette Lewis, is going to die in the season finale. And that would actually like kill me because I love Juliette Lewis. And but I have a bet going with Rob for twenty dollars because he wouldn't bet me any more money than that. We have a friendly twenty dollar wager going. So we're gonna watch the season finale and see what happens because we're a little late on things, uh, my hospital stuff, and we'll get more into that uh, soon because whew, the hospital is a real bitch. But like I say, we're in our primitive stages pretty much all the time. We're always in like a state of fight, flight, or, you know, freeze and stop. You know what I mean? Like you freeze because you're so scared. You can't do the fight or flight thing. You just, you freeze. Or, you know, there are the, some people that, you know, like the flight that, that get the hell out of there as fast as they can. But some people like stand there and they're really afraid and they let you know they're afraid. And then there's the other people that just, they freeze. They absolutely freeze up. They don't know what to do. They got no words. They got no, they got no course of action. They got no plan. It's, it's, it's sad and it's scary. We rise above, you know, uh, these animal instincts and these primal natures. I know we rise above it, you know, sometimes. And I think sometimes I think we sink a bit below it, too. I'm looking at a bumblebee up on the wall. It's not a, lot, a yellow jacket. It's just nice. One of those fuzzy, humble bumbles just hanging on the wall. I don't I'm very allergic to bees, but I just shoo them gently because I don't want to hurt them. They're so good for our world. I don't want to kill the bees. I know they might want to kill this lady but I don't want to kill the bees. But like I say, even when we sink below it or if we rise above it, we do what we can to kind of like survive in this world. And that's shown in many modalities, not just, you know, watching yellow jackets and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's so obvious that most of us are just kind of doing what we can to stay afloat and not sink the boat, you know, not screw around too much and make sure everything's okay. And if you follow showtimes smash hit yellow jackets you might be picking up what i'm putting down like the basic story of the show is if you've never seen it i gotta educate you on this right now because if you've never seen it it's a basic story a girl sports team plane it's like on the way to a to a, a tournament they crash into the canadian wilderness what the fuck do we do now? No one is coming to save you. No one's rescuing you. They're stranded. They're stuck the fuck out there. And one of them's pregnant at this time. One of them's pregnant. What the fuck do you do? You're pregnant out in the wilderness. You're starving. You know, they got murder on their mind. They've got cannibalism. I'm talking they're spying on each other. We got sleepwalking. We got more murder. We got more cannibalism. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, honestly, you should really reconsider your hiking buddies at this point because <laughs> you are who you hike with. You got to be careful. And then, you know, then we're chasing each other through the woods in, you know, antlers and all kinds of costumes and we're murdering each other and we're drawing cards and straws to see who we're going to eat next. And it's just getting all kinds of, you know, 10 cups of crazy with a side of cuckoo-ca-choo. It's a lot. I am the walrus. It's ridiculous. I mean, then... Of course, I touched on a bit of uh, candy. I was talking about candy. 
and uh, watching Love and Death, which are basically parallel series of each other. Uh, one, I said, is, was starring Jessica Biel and Melanie Linsky. Obviously, this reminds me of it from Yellow Jackets. And the other is got Elizabeth Olsen in it, the, the cute Olsen sister, the one that is not the twin, like I have said before. She is the one that does not look like a fucking treasure troll that has not eaten forever in her life. You know, treasure trolls are cute. They're round, you know, they have little cute little bellies. I'm like, they're the Olsen twins. They need a cheeseburger or a veggie burger. They're desperately in need of a meal. Both of them for crying out loud. Like, like seriously, like put both of them together. You don't even have a quarter pounder. I'm sorry, McDonald's, but you girls got to eat. Come on, come on now. I know I'm not one to talk. I could use a couple of, you know, bags of potatoes, but that's coming up next. But like the story in Love and Death is actually perfect and candy. This woman, of course, because she's a woman, she plans an affair. She plans the thing. There's a start date. There is an end date. There are rules. I don't know. Maybe she's got OCD, but I'm not poking fun at mental illness. I'm saying really, maybe she does have OCD. The start date, the end date, the rule things like the making rules in your sleep. You know, no one's allowed to get emotionally attached. I'll book all the hotel rooms. I'll take care of this stuff. I'll cook you a meal when you come in. You know, I mean, I mean, she's just banging this guy. I don't know why she's cooking for him and all this stuff because that's going to lead to feelings. The more you start taking care of someone, the more you start feeling something for them because you feel like a more human quality, you know, toward them. So, of course, they develop feelings. And all this guy has got to do is seriously show up, eat, and then bang. And then go home to his fucking unsuspecting wife who's suffering really bad postpartum mood disorder and postpartum depression left very untreated and getting kind of getting kind of whack, you know, getting kind of whack, seeing things, hearing things, you know, and he's eating, he's banging, he's banging, he's eating, all up until one day his wife kind of catches, she catches wind and she catches a, like a glimpse or a moment between her husband and the mistress at church. And this is a shared moment. This is a Kevin Smith moment right now. <laughs> now that was a moment, you know, chasing Amy, you know, Kevin Smith movies. But like I say, she catches air of this. She corners this lady, Candy. She asks her about the affair. She's assured that it's over. Like Candy obviously admits to it. She's like, yep, we had an affair. Yeah, we did, but it's over. It's, it's done. And she assures his wife that, you know, I don't want him. It's over, we're done. I don't want him. I want nothing to do with him. But uh, Candy turns her back for one second and his wife goes all Lizzie Borden on her ass. She grabs an ax from the garage, just goes into the garage, closes the door to the laundry room and goes at Candy with this ax, Lizzie Borden style. And I'll tell you, she goes at her like crazy. Ax? Why? An ax? Why? Why would she grab an ax? untreated postpartum depression, like I say, or postpartum mood disorder. The wife of the cheater was going through some shit. And then the lady he's cheating with shows up and says, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bang your husband. It'll never happen again. I mean, I can imagine what's going through this lady's head. You know, anyone might want to grab an ax, but you don't actually do it. So she grabs an ax, comes with candy, this woman is paranoid, but she's got very violent tendencies and she's, they're struggling and they're wrestling with this ax. 
I mean, that can't be good. You're wrestling with an axe back and forth, wrestling, wrestling. Struggle ensues. Candy gets the axe. And she's truly, I don't like to say this because I don't love violence. Candy defended herself against this woman. If she wouldn't have defended herself, she would have gotten whacked in the back of the head with an axe. She did sustain injuries, as you will be able to tell if you've seen these documentaries, if you read anything about it on the internet. Because that's where everybody's reading things these days. Nobody's reading paper books, for crying out, Pete. Everybody's got the Kindle out, I say. But she defended herself. Now, striking someone 41 times with an axe, 28 specific blows to the head, uh, eviscerating half of someone's face and making, like, hitting them so many times with an axe that their eyeballs come out of their head, I don't know if I would count that as like self-defense. Like that's a little, that's a little much. That's what I would call excessive force. But you know, crimes of passion, it just, you know, it just seemed real angry. And I know people look at that and with that anger as like a first degree murder premeditated type of crime. But I think in the moment and in the heat of passion, she just, lost her mind. And why did Candy snap? Going back to when people are snapping. Why did she snap? Right before she got the axe away from her lover's wife, their baby started crying. And the wife went, shh, and shushed her, shushed Candy, this woman Candy. Now, let me tell you, <clears throat> this caused some trauma sauce it dis it brought her back. It caused her to disassociate. This is this happens in psychology when people have been through severe trauma. They can disassociate when they commit crimes or things and not have any idea or recollection of what they did or what happened or if it's wrong or why it's wrong. They just snap and go off. So the shh in her face pissed her off so much that she snapped because it reminded her of her mother. And as a young kid going to the hospital and she said she was sick and she was vomiting and she was pissing and moaning about being sick. And her mom went, shh, what's everyone going to think about you? Brought her back to mother trauma and boom, right back to she becomes an instant rageaholic. Even myself, I disassociate, not like this, but I mean, I sleepwalk. I love to sleepwalk. Mm. Oh, you're gonna hear a rumble of an engine right now. Oh, there's a guy across the street with a really small dick in a really loud car. Are you ready for it? Well, just wait, here it comes. <laughs> oh, it's almost laughable. It's laughable, here it comes, here it comes. He's, he washes his car about eight times a day, gets it dry with a leaf blower, you know the kind of guy I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, when it's loud, I'll be quiet. But until then, I'll be loud. Like I say, though, even myself, I disassociate. I sleepwalk. I wake up with strange hamburgers in my bed all the time. All the time. Well, veggie burgers, vegan burgers. But yeah, I do disassociate and I sleepwalk. And it's freaky. We keep like high locks like on our doors to make sure like I don't go anywhere or like jingle bells on the doors to make sure I'm not heading out on a trip anywhere because I've slept walk for a while and it's it's weird I don't do anything dangerous 
Like, it's more of like a drunken, like hungry clown that's just like bumbering around like a little asshole all over the place. It's definitely a drunken, hungry clown. And, uh, oh, he just drove away in his car. And you know why he didn't rev the engine? Because yesterday I told him to slow the fuck down. And you know, when a guy with little dick syndrome and his big car is driving around and gets told off by a woman, you know how well that goes. So, you know, if you want to go toe to toe with me, it's okay. I got my black belt. Let's go. I'll take out my nunchucks and I'll fucking go Michelangelo on your ass. Michelangelo is a party dude. Maybe I'll go all candy on your ass. Candy ass! Look out for that one. No, but I'm kidding. But like I say, when I when I sleepwalk, I'm like more like a funny, hungry, drunken clown. It's actually quite comical for anyone who's experienced it. It is funny. My kids have never seen me do it, thank goodness. It's 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 you know, it's it's late at night when this happens. Like I think they've seen the aftermath of me. They'll see like an empty Kool-Aid jammer on the table and like a half eaten like impossible whopper that looks like a nightmare and they'll just be like who drank who drank our kool-aid jammers it's more like what happened to my stuff not like what happened here they're like why is there a half-eaten hamburger just hanging out on the table no one gives a shit it's not like i'm breaking the law breaking the law i'm not doing a sordid activity leaving the house i'm not driving i'm not doing anything fucking crazy i'm not driving anyway and i will tell you why soon i'm not driving right now Speaking of sordid activities, I was going to discuss female serial killers more in depth and more depressed than housewives that kill. I'm talking multiple murders, like I said, serial killers like Aileen Wuornos. She came to fame and popularity after that film Monster came out, but I told you it's sad because it's the story of a sex worker that's driven to murder her johns because they're so terrible to her and she's being raped on dates on dates as they call them like i mean after rewatching the film as rereading all the books i read up on her life and you know i really do feel bad for her she's like sexually abused over and over and over again from you know day one tossed aside by her family you know, treated like shit at school, you know, the only self-worth and value she had was, you know, flashing the boys because that's how they kind of showed her that she was popular and that everything was kind of okay. I think that's atrocious. So, I mean, then you got your trauma going on there. She's thrown aside. Nobody wants her. Then take into account that she's trying to survive on the street. So she's turned to sex work, which is work. And if you don't think sex work is work, maybe you should try it. Because it is. Sex work is work. Now, the trauma that this would cause and would give you cause to snap when you get into a similar situation from your past trauma, you're going to start murdering people. You know what I mean? You're, you're, it's going to happen. It's just, it's just, I think it's a natural progression of things. Repeated trauma over and over again can cause blackout rage for certain people. And so it does. And so that trauma causes you to eventually snap and ultimately causing some sort of chain reaction to go off. Generally not a healthy one. And this is why 
we got to work on our reactions and our reactions to things instead of reacting to everything in such a big way. Why don't we respond? And you find you get a better, you kind of get a better outcome. Seriously. I feel like this is just common sense that I'm telling you. I feel like it's common sense, but it's important that we craft out a response than have a quick reaction to anything. Why would you want to do that? Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, and neither was anything else, literally. And if it was, it probably wasn't very much fun for the people who were trying to do it. Even me, with like, let's say making business decisions, for instance, I take months to make decisions about my business. I crunch numbers. I talk to my business advisor. I talk to my business lawyer. I do my research. I talk to other businesses. I talk to other company owners. I don't arrive at a yes very quickly or very easily at all. It takes a while. It, I do arrive at yeses, but just it takes a while to get there, to get on that train. And I'm talking, that train's the Pony Express, people. I'm obviously a really big thinker. I'm just a big thinker, that's all. I'm obviously a doer, obviously ADHD and everything. I do, I do, I do, 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 Mountain Dew, all the do. But I am a big thinker. Being a big thinker is me. Brain is always on. Lights are always on. Is anyone always home? We don't know yet. <laughs> it's like a motor driving my body around and like my mind around. It's just wild all the time. I feel like I'm being driven by a little machine. I feel like teeny little super guys inside of me just driving me around. Teeny little super guy. Do y'all remember teeny little super guy? He's no bigger than your thumb. So cute. You can't judge a hero by his size. Just a teeny little super guy. Oh, yeah. Seriously, go on YouTube and find teeny little super guy. He's so cute. Speaking of wild, it's a bit of a notorious, it was, well, weather. We've passed a bit of a notorious wild weekend in Canada. It is a memorial weekend in, in America. Memorial Day weekend in America. But the notorious wild weekend in Canada that we just passed, it was last weekend, was the May 2-4, the 2 the May 24th weekend. And let me tell you, I used to celebrate this holiday like it was, you know, Christmas in, in, in the springtime, in the summer, almost in the summertime. It was our time to just get crazy, drink from 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. I mean, the people that I used to hang out with were alcoholics. Like, this is not, this is way before kids. This is way before marriage. This is dating. This is early 20s, you know, time. This is shenanigans, you know, in my early 20s. But I'll tell you, we'd have the toof. We'd rent this cottage that was so big because it would have to accommodate because we all hung out in couples, which is, I look back at it, it's so ridiculous. We hung out, it was like 10 couples that hung out with each other. And we all went to this cottage together. And it was big enough to accommodate all of us comfortably. It had enough bathrooms. It was good. The people there were really nice. It was in the middle of an apple orchard. We got up to some debauchery in that cottage. Let me tell you. <clears throat> now, not only like worshiping the beer idol, like we were on Survivor. <laughs> One year, we rented a cottage. It was before we got this cottage. And we rented the cottage and it was at a it overlooked like a, like a trailer park sort of thing. And I kind of put my glasses on one morning and I kind of had a look. It was the last year we rented this cottage. This is the first time of the last time. It overlooked 
They said it was like an adult campground. I'm like, no kids allowed. Okay, whatever. It's a friggin' nudist colony for Christ's sake. And everybody's running around with everything hanging out and flopping all around. Like, don't get me wrong. It was fucking entertaining and free as hell. But, you know, let your freak flag fly. I just didn't want to see like, like everybody's twig and berries like flying around and tits swinging every which way in the wind. You know, I just, I was, I was good. I was good. Like I say, but like so many weird things happen on like the May 2-4 weekend, like involving like alcohol. I'm not going to say drugs because it was involving alcohol. A lot of it was, there was a lot of pot smoking going back on, like then back on. I mean, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't legal back then. I had my license back then because I'd been hit by a transport truck, but no one else did. And I'll tell you one story. I had a bunch of girls say, oh, Tanya, Tanya. We had a hot tub at this one cottage that we rented. Come on, come on, come into the hot tub, come into the hot tub. And it was like in this room. So I get into the hot tub. All the girls are naked in the room. I'm just like, and they want me to get in the hot tub with them. And at this time I was kind of, I was a bit uncomfortable just cause I just hadn't had that much nudity, like that much female nudity in my life. Like, uh, like at that point. And uh, like, they were just so drunk and they just, they were just like, come roll a joint with us, come sit in the hot tub and everybody's naked. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna go in the other room. And you know me, I am not a very conservative person. But it just, it didn't feel right at the time. So I went and hung out with the guys who were subsequently sitting on the, like outside, we had a TV going with porn on it. And what was it? It was gay porn, gay man porn. It was called Uncut Timber. And it was a bunch of lumberjacks all fucking each other. And it was, it was really, really graphic. And then the owners of the cottage came to just like, drop us off some complimentary uncut timber, actually some cut timber. They came to bring some firewood for our fires at night. And they like took one look at the TV, took one look at us, took one look at the TV, took one look at us, thought like, what the hell's going on here? Are you guys crazy? So <laughs> that was a bit of an uncomfortable situation. So our one friend who's also Polish, he like talked us out of it. And I'm sure like these weekends, I used to be blattered out of my bloody mind. We all had fun, but what a waste of time and money. I wasted my youth. It's good for songwriting, but that's about it. That's one, that's all wasted youth for me is good for it. I've got some good memories. And I had a few good laughs and, you know, made some good friends, but mostly it was wasted youth, like I say. And uh, one particular weekend I had a lot of things on me. I had an ounce of marijuana on me. I also had an half an ounce of hallucinogenic mushrooms that I was holding on to for my partner at the time. And there were these little ride programs all over the place. And I wanted chicken wings. This is back when I ate meat. And ride programs are just like um, a series of little stops that police officers will stop you at to make sure that you're sober. But there were so many of them in between like our campground and where we had to be to get the chicken wings that I'm just like, like none of us were intoxicated. Everyone was sober, but we were packing so much heat, like contraband wise, I didn't want to get pulled over because we smelled like a skunk, like real bad. And like, they're all over the place. So, I mean, we ended up ordering chicken wings and I think they like brought us there. And like, it wasn't like today where you can just get DoorDash or skip the dishes or whatever, one of those goddamn things. You can't do that shit anymore, like back then. 
we had to like pay like $40 for them to like deliver it to our cottage because we were like out in the middle of goddamn nowhere right on like Canada's west coast on Lake Huron just out celebrating and fishing and lighting off fireworks and being assholes another year was another puking year it was the best year for puking flea markets heat stroke hangovers and uh chip wagons so I got, I got to get everybody to go down to the flea market with me because there's a flea market down the street and it's a huge flea market and I've got to go get some kind of pepperonis or something and I got to go to the chip wagon, but I'm hungover as hell. So I let somebody else drive my car. Sit in the front seat because it's the coldest air conditioning. It was the coldest air conditioning I've ever had in this car. And it was like a Chrysler Dynasty. It was like an old grandpa car. Like seriously, it was an old grandpa car. You could call it that. It was, your grandfather should have been driving it. So... I had been finding, you know, chip wagons and kind of garage sailing and I wanted to go to this farm market and this, 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 this flea market. So, you know, I was feeling kind of dizzy and we were almost there and the hot sun had been beating on me all day. And all of a sudden, before we got there, I don't know, I got the dry heaves and I just like, my mouth started going. I was like, oh God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I puked as hard as I could into the air conditioning. So of course, what does it do? Blows back in my face, but not only does it blow back on me, it blows back on every sorry son of a bitch that I'm in the car with. So they all get covered in my barf. I'm so sorry. And uh, yeah, I never did uh, get to that chip wagon, but I've been finding chip wagons all over the place lately. I've been garage sailing, I've been jamming, I've been visiting family and seeing my family the doing festivals and stuff like that and doing markets. I still uh, have a few folks that still subscribe to the drunken weekends with the boys every single weekend. And there's absolutely, you know, something wrong with that. Just when it's only weekends with the boys. Nothing wrong with the male bonding. Nothing wrong with separation from your partner. A little healthy separation is okay these things. That is not what the problem is. It's the crazy, and women do it too, is the crazy excessive amount of drinking and partying and fucking stupid stuff that they do and somebody ends up getting fucking killed. Every single time there ends up being an accident or worse. You know what I mean? I'm down with the bonding. I'm down with the camaraderie. I'm down with getting down with the friendship, deepening the friendship, making memories, doing all those stuff. Time apart from spouses, time apart from your children. Everybody deserves that unwind and that break. Here comes trouble. I think it's Mr. Loudcar. We'll see. My issue, let me tell you, my issue with things I've seen, and I've seen this with friends of all genders, and this is mostly, some of it's a, a few male friends and they still live by the bros before hoes bros code. And I will tell you that these guys, all of them, every one of them live at home. They're over 40. Most of them live with their parents. They're all single and generally have not been married or have had short marriages or abusive marriages like where they've been the abuser because if you're referring to a woman or someone who identifies as a woman as a hoe 
If you're identifying, especially your woman, your lady friend, the lady that you're hanging out with as a hoe, I'm sorry, but you're the hoe. You know what kind of hoe you are? You a asshole, because that's the way it goes. Same goes for the bitchy lady wine weekends where they all bitch about their fucking husbands and one lady always, you know, fucks the pool guy or, you know, takes some random guy home from the bar. Because it happens. It happens. You think lady trips are Mary fucking Pureville? Fuck you, Mary. Fuck you, Mary. Fuck you. It's, it's not Mary. It's not pure at all. People are human. We were not born monogamous creatures and group mentality is a real thing. It's something that's hard not to hop onto when you're right in the thick of it. It's like the fish who stops by the ocean to say, hey, have you seen the ocean? Not realizing that the fish is surrounded by water. So, you know, it's like, hello, Captain Obvious. This is what's happening here. But like I say, group mentality is hard. We're naturally followers. I've said it before. It's a human condition to kind of be sheep and follow along, do things without thinking. And this is why that group and mob mentality happens. One person eggs another person on, and then it becomes a bit contagious. And it happens in all sorts of situations. Bullying, violence. I mean, even look at something simple as like a mosh pit. Look at a mosh pit. There's a group mentality. What happens there? It's a pack mentality like wolves. You get thrown to the wolves and oh, out come the wolves. And it's on like Donkey Kong. And it's okay. We are pack animals. That's what we are naturally. We are naturally pack animals. And that's the way it's going to be because that is, again, the human condition. But what can I say? We don't like to be alone on a primal level. Not many mammals, like I say, are monogamous and like to be alone. It's not biologically who we are as animals. We were never meant to be monogamous creatures. That is what makes us human, more human, not human completely, because I really don't think we're all that evolved personally. But that's what makes us a little bit more human, using our intellectual centers to deduct reason and use rational thought rather than just acting on pure animal instinct like our furry little friends. And I mean, look at my dog, Willie Nelson. Like, look at him. There's a squirrel running across my goddamn lawn right now. Who, like my dog, like seriously, he doesn't even have any balls. He's on tricyclic antidepressants to get like the horn down. He doesn't even have that stuff in his system. He's totally neutered. It looks like between his legs, the whole band of California raisins got squished down there. They heard it through the grapevine and they're gone. My kids call him zombie balls. It's terrible. But he still has that tendency to hump. He's like, he gets the hump going and he'll be like humping the air. And then usually, you know, you've heard of a scratching post. Yeah, I'm my dog's humping post. He likes to try to do that. He's got no testosterone raging through his body, but he's still got that animal instinct to do that do the hump de hump woo do the hump de hump yeah seriously he'll he'll hump a fucking post it's that instinct sometimes like i say no lie he humps the air my word he's a hornball but aren't we all aren't we all just horny little creatures i was going to leave you with that this week but there will <laughs> there's going to be some standalone episodes of beards and bitchin coming down the pipe for the bearded content only. 
And, you know, like I say, because I know you guys are enjoying the bearded content and I've been bringing it into the podcast. And I'm still, you're not going to escape beards with this podcast because, like, as is my life. But there will be more standalone episodes of Beards and Bitchin' coming down the pipe. Got some real fun topics coming down the pipe. Kind of controversial in my humble opinion. Maybe not. I don't know. But here we go. I got to tell you this. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. But... Seriously, you didn't get an episode that I was going to originally record. I got to give you a trigger warning because this is graphic and this is real and this is something that happened to me. So here you go. Some of you have heard a little bit about this on my Instagram or if you talk to me through Facebook, if we talk through DMs or we're close, we, you know, some of you talk, we've talked about this, but you haven't gotten the whole story so uh pull up a chair because trigger warning this one's a doozy so i had an episode and i'm not talking a podcast episode last sunday night so a week ago my partner and I sat down to watch The Whale. You know, that movie, The Whale. And I was really looking forward to watching The Whale because I really like Brendan Fraser. And we watched it. Mm. I dozed off a little bit, as you do when you're watching TV. And my Rob just got up to do something, get a snack or maybe to hit the bathroom. When he came back, he said what he saw scared the absolute shit out of him. He said that I was lying on the couch. I had somehow gotten onto my back and my teeth were clenched completely shut. My whole jaw was shut hard. He couldn't get my mouth open. He checked to see if I was biting my tongue. Let's make sure my thing's out here. Checked to see if I was biting my tongue. I wasn't. So he turned me onto my side. He's seen enough episodes of House probably to know, you know, what to do and what not to do. So he put me on my side, but I was foaming like crazy, foaming at the mouth. And uh, he couldn't wake me up. I was going like that. I was foaming at the mouth. I was unconscious for, he said, about 40 minutes. And then he called an ambulance, obviously, while all this was happening. And my mom, he called my mom. And <clears throat> all I remember was waking up in an ambulance and kind of, kind of coming to. And then waking up in the hospital, I remember going through doors in the hospital, asking the ambulance drivers if they knew my friend who is a paramedic. And then kind of wondering why I was there, getting pushed into the hospital, waiting in a hallway, some drunk guy going, oh, there's Cindy Lauper. And like looking to me, right? I used to have blonde hair, like not when I went to the hospital, but back in the day I had blonde hair, you see me. And I've been told before that I look like Cindy Lauper. Well, this guy must have been really drunk because, like, my makeup was smudged. I look like a hot fucking mess. I mean, I just been through a massive, like, grand mal seizure, and and God knows where it came from because we gotta still get to that. So he says, "Oh, there's Cindy Lauper." So I just hit him back with immediately. I said, "Well, girls do not want to have fun tonight." And obviously, you've seen my true colors. And he just kind of went on his drunken way with the police because the hospital that I went to is also like the drunk tank. So if someone's having an overdose or if someone's really drunk and disorderly, 
like some of the patients are like handcuffs, not where I was, but in one of the other parts of the hospital. But my doctors and my nurses were amazing. My mom was with me. Like I say, I woke up in a room with my mom and the doctor assessing me. My mom stayed with me the whole time. She didn't leave my side. I'll tell you, there's been a lot of shit that's gone on in my life. And my mom has been there for all of it. I'm talking like getting sober off of opioid drugs, like, you know, 10, 15, 15 years ago now. How long has it been? Since I was 25 years old? Yeah. 15 years ago, my mom was there. She seen me got hooked on opioids from a car accident. So she seen me get sober. She seen me through my first marriage and how it ended. My first marriage was very, very bad. She seen me through that. She seen me through car accidents, operations, you name it. She's been there. All the ugly stuff. You know, my dad was there too. Unfortunately, I, like I say, he can't be around anymore, but he was around for the stuff that he needed to be around for. And my mom is, she's there all the time. I can't, I can't say enough about my mom. Superheroes come through in all forms. Now, one of the factors to this, this episode that I had was stress. Stress, 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 and I eat stress for breakfast, and you all know that. My stress comes in many different ways and many different forms. It's actually both a gift and a curse, like I can tell you. Since being quite young, I've always oh, like held on to and felt other people's stress and their feelings and their pain and suffering, and I don't necessarily feel bad for people. It's like I put on the coat of their life and I feel what they're feeling. And I've been told by many folks in the spirit world and that uh, kind of community that I am highly sensitive and there is an empathic quality to me. And that shone through to me on May 24th because my sister delivers the news to me that Tina Turner had passed away. And so much for a normal reaction. You don't get that from me. Like even with celebrity deaths, like Tina Turner was my first like idol. She was everything. She was the voice. She was the legs. She was the attitude. She was, she was everything. She was the queen of rock and roll. So I kind of fell to the floor sobbing and it was like my heart dropped into my stomach. I felt my heart literally drop into my stomach. It was like she was an idol for me. She was an example of a strong black female who rose out of the ashes of a bad situation with only her name. That's all she took away from that situation with a shitty Ike Turner. You know, born very poor and marginalized as anime. If you've ever seen What Love Got To Do With It, you've seen the Tina Turner documentary, anything, read about Tina Turner. She was a devout Buddhist, you might not know that. She lived in, you know, Switzerland for most of her life, you know, once she got rid of Ike Turner. And when her and Ike Turner got out of that impossible, terrible, toxic, abusive situation, all she wanted, she didn't want the money, she didn't want the cars, she didn't want the cash, she didn't want the song, she didn't want anything. She wanted her name. She wanted, the only thing he gave her that she wanted was her name, Tina Turner. And she kept it, and subsequently, in her 40s, became the biggest rock pop sensation that you've ever seen. She became the queen of rock and roll. And like, I can't dispute this. What a, like a phenomenal woman and powerhouse completely. And Lizzo was absolutely spot on. Lizzo said just the other day, there is no rock and roll without Tina Turner. 
There is no rock and roll without Tina Turner. And she absolutely is correct. Lizzo is absolutely correct about that. Another female artist that I absolutely idolize. I love, I, I love Lizzo. I love Lizzo. Truth hurts. I love Lizzo. Now, since this episode, I'm going back to see the urgent care neurology team, get some tests done on the old bing bong to see what's going on in there. And obviously I had some time to relax a bit, but always, like I say, busy at the company and online orders and the summer festivals and markets. So, I mean, that never stops. I'm off to the best and most healing masseuse tomorrow. And, uh, I'm stoked to get naked with her tomorrow. And uh, she's like one of my best girls. And I'm happy, I can't wait to have her hands all over me because she probably is, no, I can't even say probably. She's definitely the best masseuse I have ever been to. She has the most healing hands and healing touch from her touch to her voice, from when you walk in the door to when you leave. Like when I leave, I feel like I'm high. Like I'm on cloud like nine, forget cloud nine. I'm like on cloud five million. This woman is another wild woman in my group, but I, uh, I love a rub down from her. So I can't wait to get naked with her tomorrow and I'm gonna get what she calls whoop, whoop, the works. So uh, I'm sure, uh, Y'all will be seeing a little bit of that on Instagram tomorrow. You can invade my privacy that way. But, uh, so she's giving me the works. I decided to give her a treat and show up with something I call the wax. Because <laughs> there's nothing worse than going to your massage therapist and not taking care of yourself. So, because she knows I love beards and she also loved beards. She got, she gives beard massages, but you know, I love beards. I had to test some of my beard butters. So sometimes when you work at a grooming company, it leads to self-exploration and self-experimentation. And when it comes to beard butters and hair growth and things like that, Men grow beards and women grow beards and all kinds of people grow beards. Sometimes women just grow beards lower, lower, lower. No, not that low, lower. Use your illusion. One, two, and three. <laughs> so like I say, I'm bringing her the wax works. And uh, so hopefully she'll appreciate my uh, ladyscaping. That'll be on a uh, standalone episodes of Beards and Bitchin'. But as you know, you can't stop the beard talk. It's one of my jobs and one of my passions. And I can't, st like, I have a few passions, you know what I mean? Beards, music, and fucking talking forever. Passion, 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 passions, baby. I do not discriminate when it comes to any of all that. No, no, no. There's a lot of talk and colloquialism out there. And the term beardsman, I say, gets thrown around a lot. This isn't really an episode of Beards and Bitchin'. This is just more of a personal anecdote that I've noticed. The word beardsman gets thrown around a lot, a lot. But men are not the only humans with beards. Men are definitely not the only humans with beards. Beards do not all come attached to a man. They don't have anything to do with gender. And I think it's seriously messed up that there isn't more visibility. This is a bearded community, right? This is a community, right? It's not a pie. One person doesn't get a bigger slice than another person. Save this 
and put it in your back pocket for beers and bitching. Like I say, I don't think there is enough visibility when it comes to women in beards. Unfortunately, the old adage is, oh, the sideshow bearded lady and that shit. I don't wanna hear that shit. There are so many reasons that women have beards and those who identify as female have beards and humans have beards. There are so many reasons and they deserve to be part of the community too. And like I say, it's not your pie, it's not your cake. You're not doling out slices and deciding who gets what. That's not your fucking choice. Save that, like I say, put that in your back pocket, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a while, suck on it for a little bit. Sake it, just take it and suck on it for a little while. Seriously. I had a beautiful time this weekend with my beautiful family and you know, they had some adventures for me to get my ass out of the house and obviously some education. Education is always part of our, our outings. We went downtown when you're alone and life is making you lonely. You can always go. Your turn. Downtown. Seriously. We went downtown. I got some edumacation. There were some street parties going on downtown. I got some chai tea from the lovely ladies at Rebel Remedy downtown. Oh my God. Chai tea. Tai chi. I love it. This girl in Toronto brews the best chai tea concentrate I think I've ever had in my damn life. All you need is a little ice, shaky, 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 put a little oat milk in there. You got yourself a chai tea latte. Better than anything that you're gonna get at Starbucks because like the old song goes, tastes like shit and it costs 10 bucks. I hate Starbucks, Starbucks sucks. Makes you poop and it costs 10 bucks. Fuck you, Starbucks, you suck. Don't send the check anytime soon, Starbucks, because it's, it's not gonna happen. Like I say, I also hit Seven Sisters Apothecary. I needed to get some sage. Actually, I hit Seven Sisters a couple of times. And again, like I say, I'll be hitting there tomorrow. I, I, I hit Beer Lab. I got to go to Heroes Comics. We went to Uber Cool Toys. We went to the <laughs> London Music Hall of Fame. We went to the London Music Hall of Fame. All the, we got all the dogs in the neighborhood barking about it. About, because you know what? I was gonna talk about Kitty. So, oh my God, all the neighborhood dogs are going. They're going. Well, like I say, <laughs> I was going to talk about Kitty. I'm an, I am an inductee of the London Music Hall of Fame, which is our little music hall of fame. But we're proud of it, especially in the Forest City, because so much good music came out of the Forest City. I'm not just talking about Kitty and me being an inductee. Did you know that Johnny Cash actually proposed to June Carter in London, Ontario at the gardens, at the London gardens? which was the London Ice House, which is now the London Abandoned House, whatever. It's like, I just wanted to show the kids something that, you know, mommy and daddy both love and we were both, you know, like involved in. I mean, Rob and the documentary, that's obviously how we met. And Rob doing things with Mr. Dress Up, as far as uh, people like Terry McManus and uh, different people in London contributing to music. Um, as far as the first person of color to ever appear on Mr. Dress Up, a television show, is from London, Ontario. Amazing, amazing. So any of this, all this stuff comes straight out of London. Woo, that's pretty cool, right out of the Forest City. And to make it even better, we had the most knowledgeable, friendly folks as our tour guides with a true, true passion and a true knowledge for music, the true gnosis of the music, the real knowledge. And you know you're at the right place when you feel like your family when you're there. They treat you like your family, they treat their family like it's 
your family, like we're all one, you know what I mean? And everybody's kind of on the same page. Everybody's in the same book. So I had to go show the kids how uncool their mother was as, uh, as a youngin. And, you know, the kids had a laugh at, you know, what we used to wear then. And, and uh, one of the, the tour guides, uh, the great Poutini herself, Karen, one of the tour guides there, she is absolutely fabulous. Her and her partner are part of the people that take care of the London Music Hall of Fame. And she just happened to be on shift there. And we never met in person before. So it was like two redheaded musical sisters just fell in love with each other, which is like instant best friends. It was great. So her and her husband just amazing, amazing people. And it was great to meet them there finally in, in person and show the kids how uncool I am. And the funniest thing was my son thought the coolest thing there was like a mannequin with an afro on and it was from the band Zool's Evil Disco. If you are from London, even if you're not from London, you can find it in sounds on Instagram. Zool's Evil Disco was a funk band from London that just went fucking, I love them. I think they're probably one of the best funk bands ever. And they have this song called Super Fantabulous and it's kind of like a recipe of how you make this super fantabulous chicken surprise. It's like this Fat Tuesday chicken that they want to make. And the whole song is about cooking this chicken. And my son subsequently loves this song. So <laughs> the coolest thing they thought that they saw at the London Music like Hall of Fame was super fantabulous. The Zool's Evil Disco display. They didn't give a shit about the kitty display. I'm you know looking at Murray McLaughlin and all that kind of stuff. And all the folk stuff. Did the kids think it was cool? I'm like, oh, Tommy Douglas, Guy Lombardo, check this out, guys. No, no, super fantabulous. That was the coolest thing ever. It's almost June. It's almost June. We're a few days away from June, and I'm so glad because it means it's Pride Month. Have you looked at my boobs lately? You probably have. Yeah, perverts. No, I'm just kidding. They're there for your eyes. And I don't know. I don't know if you know what these flags on my Instagram mean, because I have... You know, I have a rainbow flag on my Instagram. I'm sure you guys have seen the, the, the flags on my Instagram. And I wonder if you know what they're all about. I wonder if you know what they mean. Now, this may surprise some of you, but likely not most of you. This definitely won't surprise you. The surprise is, well, surprise, my neighbors are assholes, but... <laughs> joking no i'm just kidding someone's using something really loud but no i don't know if this will surprise you or not really um the uh, the flags in my instagram profile are not only there because i support and they're in support of the two-spirit lgbtq community they're not just in there in support and solidarity they're there because i'm part of it when i say we're here we're queer just get used to it and don't fuck with us. I, I sincerely mean that. I'm queer, I'm pansexual, and have been for as long as I can remember, pan and proud. Now, if you don't know, a very simple explanation to this is that I am not attracted to gender, unlike someone that is maybe perhaps bisexual. Um, I'm that, you know, cheesy as it sounds. I'm that what's inside that counts kind of person. I fall in love with a person, the human, you know, the, the personality attached to that person. I, I, I just, I happened 
to fall in love with a male person and my partner is a male and we happen to have obviously two beautiful kids that said i've been in love with women before too and i find the older i get the more comfy i am and more proud i am of me and more comfy i am with me i don't care just as i am and as it should be and as you should be too because i love you just the way you are so please don't ever change. No, don't you ever change. I kind of like you just the way you are. Don't change. I'm serious. So I'll leave you with that, my loves. You know where to find this crazy girl. You know where to find me every week. I'm somewhere. I'm always on that Instagram. You can find me at 21st Century Rocker Mom. You can find me there on Instagram. If you want to follow the Fur Fest, obviously you can go to at the Rockaholic Grooming Company on Instagram. You can find me at 21st Century Rocker Mom on TikTok. I'm back there too. Have a look inside this crazy brain. And then that's, you know, that toxic thing you can't part with. TikTok. I'm always on that damn thing. And obviously, you can always find something fun and interesting and probably inappropriate on my YouTube channel at Tanya Candler channel. Click subscribe and you'll never miss a damn thing. Bless! And I will see y'all on the flip-flop. Take care of yourselves. Take good care of each other. And I love you and I'll see y'all soon. Happy almost June.